0: Welcome to the B2B Growth Accelerator with Eric Fisher. Eric has over 20 years of professional sales experience in both financial services and technology sales consulting where he has more than $35 million in sales. He now would like to share with you the strategies, tactics, and mental tools that have led him to the top of the sales game to help you accelerate your career grow your business, and become financially free. Let's get started. Here is your host, Eric Fisher.
1: All right, three, two, one, and we're live. Everybody, I'm welcoming uh, Marcus Chan to the podcast here. Marcus is somebody that uh, I've been communicating with uh, on social media for uh, probably the last, you know, I guess six months. And I'm really excited to have him on. We have a lot of things in common. And, um, you know, I'd like to jump right into it. So, Mar- uh, Marcus, welcome. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, man. So, Eric, first off, thanks so much, man. Been loving your content. Really appreciate us connecting. We actually have a lot of common, right, like we were just talking about before. I'm like, this is crazy. It's like talking to uh, a different version of me in a different state, right? So, <laughs> you're, you're right. more a hands- more handsome version of me. So, you know. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so just a little background about me, right? So I'm uh, uh, Marcus a founder of Benley Consulting Group, and that's actually a pretty new venture. But before that, I was actually in corporate America for 14-plus years, right? And 14-plus uh, years, and I, I cut my teeth uh, doing B2B sales 14-plus years ago in 2007, you know, 2006, 2007 timeframe. So at that time, I was out there, and um, it was a lot of fun, and it was building a startup division of a larger company, right? So that was a really exciting time because financially it was a very, very healthy company, but it was a brand new startup, so they had nothing. So they said, hey, here's a um, here's a manual written by people who never sold before, uh, good luck. And uh, by the way, we've already invested all this money in these assets that are depreciated, so we're in the red right now, so we need you to go figure it out. <laughs> okay. That was a lot of fun. Right. That was, I was, I was, I was a lot of fun from there. End up building a seven-figure business in about a year. I uh, got promoted multiple times, uh, did it multiple times, rebuilt uh, and grew three different operations in multiple seven figures. And uh, then I actually left there to a different company in which I was the next company, also a large Fortune 500 company for about uh, nine years. Did B2B sales, uh, took over as a sales manager, eventually a sales director, a lot of fun. In my last role, I had about 110 plus people in my organization. Uh, we did about, did about 200 million in sales, a lot of fun. And wow. then from there, transition to start my own business. Right. And that was at the end of okay. September, 2019. So it's been a incredible journey so far, but a lot of fun, but I obviously love sales. Uh, it's my favorite game to play.
1: Great. Well, you certainly know a lot about it. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting about you is I, I read your content and I'm like, this guy definitely knows what he's talking about. We have a lot of the same philosophies. Um, but you know, let's, let's go back to, so, you you know, I think you, you worked for, uh, and if you don't want to mention the names of those companies right now, that's fine. But um, you know, a lot of people struggle with going into an uh, either an organization or a territory that's kind of unknown, especially when they tell you they're in the red and most sales reps would say, Oh shit. Yeah, no, I want to walk into a warm account or a warm territory. So talk, talk to, talk to our listeners about, why why it is that you chose to do that and yeah. what you learned from it and why you
2: succeeded. Well, it, what's, what's really cool about that, right? Um, it was interesting because this is before the economy tanked, which I, I didn't really talk about, but that's, this is 2007, so businesses were shutting down. And um, at, I remember at the time, before I took this job offer, I was really fortunate, I actually had five job offers on the table, okay? So I, I, wow. I had this role and I had four other roles, and this is the lowest pay, it was like 30K a year maybe, right? With commission, maybe more, who knows, right? right? And it works to like, a pretty solid, <clears throat> like, 55K, 60K base, which is pretty good for, like, you know, a college grad with zero experience. And that uh, was in banking. It was more solid, more stable. And I remember we were, like, talking to my parents, and they, and they wanted me to, like, well, first off, they wanted me to be a, as you know, with uh, having a Chinese wife, they, my parents wanted me to be either a doctor, a lawyer, a counselor, or someone along those lines. I did none of that, right? So they're like, well, maybe you should go to banking. You can be, you can be a banker, Right. I didn't. I wasn't really sure about that. Was the highest paid offer? Um, I ended up turning out all those other offers. and went for the lowest paid one, um, even though I saw the risk because they saw they're like, okay, this they're in red. There's red. there's a startup. Are you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. And really, because of one reason, the 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 director for the organization he came from the other division where he had hired me as an intern, and and I've heard that term where it's like, don't pick the job, pick the leader, right? And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I saw the vision that, that he painted for me, right? You know, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I am like, I guess we can only go up. <laughs> like, right, we're right. The we already have no customers. We can only go up. And, <clears throat> and right. to, to me, you know, being a, an ambitious, like, 21-year-old, I'm thinking to myself, in the other organizations, because I was interviewing, they're all really big companies. I'm like, it's a massive pyramid climb, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, man, like, I'll become a peon you know, but at least in this other, other pyramid, I'm going to be inside. It's just, I'll I'll be a larger peon, if you will. Right. There's less people to fight against. Right. So to me, that was opportunity. And I really saw Mm -hmm. the vision of that. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm just going to try it out. Like what, what's the worst that can happen. Right. So uh, that's why I made, I made the leap of faith. And uh, was there times where I absolutely questioned myself? Oh yeah. (laughs) oh yeah I mean there were right. some, some struggle days right I mean I remember like I was, at this point like even like I started having a success I was with my first team and uh, we were in this old beat up crappy building right like it was like all my friends are working in cool offices right like here I am working <laughs> in right. this like, dump, dumpster from a building where the, the, we, the business we shared next to was a place of prostage like sewage right so mm-hmm. it just literally smelled like a dump <laughs> And I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, what am I doing? But obviously, I put the work in and it paid off, right? Because I saw the vision. And that was really important, right? That vision became my purpose of doing the things I didn't want to do, to take on that risk. If I didn't have that vision, I wouldn't have done it.
1: So what got you through those tough times? Because as you and I both know, um, I, you know, I lead salespeople and I also still sell today. Um, and you know, there's, there's definitely the ones that make it right. They can get through those hard times. The ones that, that don't, they kind of, a lot of talk, uh, they don't make it. So what, what was it for you? And then I'm sure you've probably got some things to add about you've led other, other people that
2: have gone through those same times. Yeah. So there's a couple things, right? Um, number one, first was fear. I, I think honestly, like, I think we don't talk about fear. I think most top performers have some sort of fear or something. Right. And for me mm-hmm. at that time, like, because at that time, the economy started crumbling, businesses were really shutting down. I only had four zip codes to sell them to, which is not a lot. Um, and businesses were shutting down and literally I feared not having a job. That was, that was the first piece. Right. Um, I also feared like letting myself down and my family down. Like, because 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 my parents like because they were immigrants coming to america i saw how hard their life was right and i'm and, and literally growing up working in the restaurant and doing all these things things would always go wrong i remember i remember literally walking in one day seven years old walking into the restaurant someone had broken in overnight smash, like smashed the door down came in stole stole money oh, wow. stole alcohol in the restaurant and i'm thinking to myself oh. oh my god like what are we gonna do we're gonna be homeless we're gonna be homeless like and I'm right, seven years old right, right. so the fear i'm like But I saw how my dad reacted. My dad didn't freak out. He's like, okay, we're going to clean his glasses up. We're going to still serve the – we're going to call the police, obviously. We're going to do all – we're going to run the rest like normal. But we got to keep moving. So I saw my family go through adversity growing up. I'm like, they they just keep moving. Just do something, right? That's that's what it was. Do something, and something will happen, Mm -hmm. right? And knowing that, right, having that – not even like – it wasn't even wired into me because I watched and I lived it. Same concept. As we would have struggles and deals would go sideways, right? Taking over teams, underperforming, I knew as long as I did something, not nothing, there would be a result, right? And with the results, then you can do something else from you can pivot if you need to, right? And that was really a critical type of mindset to have, especially when you're building a startup where things go wrong literally all the time, right? But right. you find a way to get it done, right? Like, I, I remember like, right. like, we were so like, I mean, we were bleeding, bleeding for business, right? So, Literally, I would do anything for a customer. Like, to, like to get a client on board. Like, literally, I would like, like. Uh, so we would lease box trucks and pickup trucks for for the businesses so they could deliver products. So, for example, like I remember, I started this large deal. It was it was like a party, the largest party event company uh, in in Oregon, right? It took me forever to get this deal. And I was like, and b- because we had to sell and service it, right? We do, we do. It was full cycle. I'm like, okay. I sold this deal. There's no way I'm going to botch this. There's no way. Because you could, you could do leases with it on contracts, but you also have short-term rentals, which are also revenue sources as well. So, like, they would also, like, rent box trucks for the weekend. So, say, maybe they had a wedding over the weekend, right? Like, 10 big weddings. Mm-hmm. They might need 10 extra box trucks. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that could be a good revenue source for the weekend, right? If if the truck broke down over the weekend, they could call the 800 number, but then they, they get rattled through. It, it, it could take seven hours to get a get result. Mm-hmm. They'll call myself instead. Right? <laughs> right Which right. is good or bad. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm like, we had to find a way to get through. I had to make sure that I did not lose customers. So I'll get calls at like three in the morning, two in the morning on a Saturday morning. Right. So really Friday mm-hmm. night, like a few hours later, I'm getting a phone call. I'm like, oh man. Oh boy. Like I I, I literally stopped going out because I'm like, okay, because they call me, I have to take care of them. It's literally yep. my duty, right? because I need to do this, I need to take care of business, no matter what. So, but that type of mindset of just, hey, you know, I gotta figure it out and keep going, that drives you, right? It, but it's a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. Knowing that purpose is what drives you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, a couple of things you said that are interesting. So I'm in, you know, the IT services industry yeah. and I have a similar philosophy. And, you know, the people I see that make it and the ones that don't, right. um, and, and, it's, and it clearly has worked well for you in, in your, your new business mm-hmm. venture. Right. Is you, you act like a you act like an owner, right? That's and it. when you're the owner and everything's on your shoulders, you just give That's a shit more. Right. And it's like everything everything is your fault. That's exactly right. You know, um, there's a, there's a lot of organizations that you know they they have so many different divisions, right? And so for me, I've had to do everything, like yeah. in all aspects of business operations, from the be, you know prospecting all the way you know pre- presentations, proposals, everything. And it's, it's been beneficial, but at times it really sucks because oh, yeah. it becomes just a yeah. time suck, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I am customer service, right? So when, if I, whether I sell a seven-figure deal, a six-figure deal or whatever, they call me because
2: I'm the one that sold it to them.
0: Right.
1: Um, so has that served you in, in
2: your business and, and how you run it today? hundred percent, right? I mean, and the thing is, what's, what's interesting is, um, you know, obviously, I I love my fourteen years of corporate America. I absolutely love. It. I learned so much, right? That's really helped sure. me today. And um, and I believe one of the reasons I was I was pretty successful in working at corporate America was because every role I had, I took ownership like I was the CEO of that role. Any role, I'm like I'm the author yep. of vision, right? Um, yeah. Absolutely critical, right? Now, what's interesting is um, there were times where I felt restricted though, right? Because there's something I couldn't do, right? Because obviously. It wasn't my name on that stock ticker symbol, right? (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about this. Yeah, right, right, right. So you're a little bit limited. So um, having having your own business, right, it's been amazing being able to do these extra things because I want to, right? Like, for example, like, um, you know, I did a webinar and, uh, you know, I had had a promo where people that purchased, you know, my my digital course would get a free coaching session, you know, a group coaching session. Well, I decided to switch it up. And instead of doing group coaching, I did individual sessions for each person.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that blew their mind. I mean, just like by giving them some extra value, right, that they didn't expect, they're like, wow, this guy is truly serious about building a good, long, sustainable business. He's not in for the money. He's not in for whatever, right? And that's, to me, that's like that's what it's all about because to me, um, building that legacy is really important. So I take the same concept and I take it to my own business, right? And at the same time, which can be good or bad, because I also get I also get offended, right, when like things don't go the way I want, right? But that, I'm like, okay, right. go on. those trolls are gonna be trolls. It is what it is. I'm yeah. just like, do my own thing. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna have haters, right? But that ownership mentality is so critical, so critical.
1: Yeah. No. Well, do you think you learned that from your parents?
2: hundred percent. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up watching my parents. Um, it's interesting. Like I love both my parents very dearly right? equally. My mom and dad, um, my mom is a little more of a blamer. My dad took full ownership. Right. And anything. Right. So uh, for example, like I'll give an example. So we had this one, like, so we, we knew the restaurant business could, could do okay. But my dad realized that you can generate more revenue opportunities working at festivals because instead of serving 100 people, you can serve 10,000 people in a day. So obviously, you're, everything scaled much higher. So, when we, there was a festival we were trying to get into, this is before food carts got big. And we were trying to get this one festival, and it was really hard. You had to apply, everyone wants to get in festivals. And we finally got in, right? And it's interesting because um, we broke we broke a record the first year we were there, I and mean, we just blew everyone out of the water. And um, And there were some haters. Right, some haters came out, and and, I, and 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 they, and they they try to get us kicked out of that festival, right? And and it, my, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I'm I'm like 14. I'm pissed. I'm like I'm Like I can't believe it's like this is, this is so stupid. Like you know, like but my dad's like you see a chill out, Mark. He's like he, I'm like he's like we're just going to show them um how we're better, right? And it was interesting. I'm, I'm like okay, and I thought about this, right? And then the following year, the the, the, the ringleader could try to get kicked out. Something happened, right? And my dad happened to catch on. Like, I think like something happened with propane tank and it stopped working before like um, the uh, evening rush for dinner, which is a big moneymaker for them, right? So right. my dad rushes over there and helps this guy fix it, right? Like, and he, he and the guy's yeah. of course, super thankful after, right? He's like, "Oh, thank God!" Like, now they're like they're like, best friends now, right? But that type of right. mindset of my dad was thinking, like, you know what? Like, I'm gonna do this and take complete ownership like he didn't say hey this guy's a hater or whatever he's you know what he's like i'm gonna control what i can control i can control him but i can control how i I treat him how i treat anybody all these things and i've always loved that mindset because that to me i was like oh my right and it's been the same concept for me ever since then so so
1: let's talk about that for a minute because you and i have a similar view um of how things have changed right in business to business sales and and i don't know about you but you know there's there's definitely so i've i've supported i worked in the mortgage industry um during the financial meltdown so you know you and i were have probably been in business to business sales for an equal amount of time uh through the tough times
0: yeah
1: you know and there's a lot there's a lot of similarities in, in in business to consumer sales b2c but there's also a lot of differences in in b2b um and I get a little concerned and really, you know, what got me interested in starting my own, you know, building my own digital sales course focused on B2B sales yes. is the amount of bad information that's out there oh, yeah. uh, for people that actually want to invest in their own on learning. So, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, they, go, they work at an organization, whether it's a Fortune 500 or, right. you know, private, privately owned company, and they just take whatever training's available to them. And then in some cases, like the organization I work for, it's very, very good. Um, I've always gone out and done more than what the average was. The problem is, is there's really not a whole lot of business to business sales training out there um, other than a few main main people. And so what I get frustrated with and honestly concerned with is that there's so much of this hardcore closing and closing on one call. And you know, in my experience, the sale is much more consultative now, right? And how we interact with potential buyers and prospects, it really has changed dramatically. Yes. So can you talk, talk to the listeners a little bit about, you know, what your philosophy is on, um, you know, the sales funnel, right. And we're not talking about the, the digital marketing sales funnel, which uh, there are a lot of similarities, <laughs> uh, that you learn in digital marketing, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, but talk, talk to the listeners about kind of how things have changed and, um, what, what you feel has changed and how you approach uh, a modern prospect today
2: yeah that's a great that's a great question right and it's what's interesting is um you know i think i believe long gone are the days where um it's it's even a funnel if you will right where you go in you prospect you close it and you're on the next one right um you know and it's, it's a concept it's more of a flywheel it's been around for a while it's, it's really a flywheel right i mean it's just it goes in a circle right like you prospect them mm-hmm. you work with them you gain the tree build a relationship you close them, but it's ongoing. You need that customer success to keep keep on going. So it generates a future future business, you partner together and you grow together, right? And it's an an evolution where ideally, the lifetime value of the customer is is exponential because you do such a good job on the front end. And that front end is so critical because if you do a bad job with um, onboarding the customer, if you're like, you know, and I'm not, here's reality. Um, I still love one call closes, don't get me wrong. But the timing has to be right, and you have to earn the right to ask for the business. Like, there's many things that come in come in that place, right? Where um, on the flip side, I see some people almost like overcorrect, where they're like, "Hey, you need to have 19 meetings very close." No, okay, like sometimes it's one meeting, sometimes it's 15. But the key is how can you short as much as possible while earning the right to ask for the business? Okay. And sometimes that's four calls that's five calls. and it is one call, right? Not always, but if you have the right mindset, hey, if I had the right solution, I need to make sure I earn the right to ask the business, right? So from that perspective, once you've earned the right, because which means you have asked the right questions, you have earned their trust. They trust you. They trust the company. They like your program. If it's in their budget, then you can ask the business. And then from there, you continue to add value. And that's where I see many companies start failing is, they stop providing value. And that's a huge issue, right? That's a huge issue. I'll give you an example, right? So and one of the things that even with my digital program, like they have lifetime access. So I'm literally in process of building three more modules that they're gonna get at no extra cost. So that's a customer, I mean, these customers, now they're like, wow, like I'm getting all extra value at no extra cost. Of course, I'm telling people about my program. Of course, I'm telling people to go follow me. Of course, I'm telling because uh, I, I'm intentionally giving mass amounts of value, you know. But at, at, the, at okay. the end of the day, um, we live in a world where there's a lot of bad information out there, a lot of bad information, a lot of bad programs out there, right? So at the end of the day, focus on a customer, and you'll always win. And that's always yeah. the name of the game. It's always in the name of the game. But now, because there's so much transparency to the sales funnel, if you will, because of reviews and all that stuff, you have to, or you will die as a business. You will die. Yep.
1: So what do you think? um, So, well, it's two questions, right? So the first one is what are the two things, biggest traits of people that are successful in sales? And we'll say, you know, our listeners are probably anybody who's just starting out or maybe they're in the middle of their sales career and they're struggling. So two things, the the two successful traits and two things that are absolutely killing a successful sales career.
2: Yeah, you know, I'll go, this would be kind of general, but they're they're, they're uh, intentional, right? Sure. So um, I learned this a long time ago and I, I still love it, right? But really top sales professionals know attitude and activity trumps everything, right? If they are putting the right, and when I mean activity, I'm talking about doing the proper IPAs, income producing activities, Right. Super <laughs> critical, right? Like, you have to, right? It's did beer. Did, too. You, did
1: you steal that? Did you steal that out of my book? I think literally I got those exact words. Really? I don't know. So, <laughs> I had a long time ago. I loved them. Like, IPAs. I'm
2: out here in Oregon, right? People love craft brews, right? IPAs. So, um, I but, love it. Yeah, but at, at the end of the day, like, it's like, what are the things that are going to generate revenue, right? You know, that's, that's really important. That's, and that's the activity piece, right? It's not getting caught up with, like, let me go to the office and shuffle my business cards. What are things. They're truly going to be income-producing activities, uh, and it's not always immediate payoff, right? <laughs> some are going to pay off in a year, some are going to pay off in six months, some others five years, right? And then um, attitude, right? Having the proper attitude. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about the, the the fluffy positive guru thing. I mean, do you have the right attitude to win? The winning mindset to go in and provide the best a, a best service for the customer or product, right? Do you have an right attitude of being, you know, be able to push through when things are tough, right? Do you have a growth mindset to learning, right? Because I believe top firms like yourself are always learning, right? So that attitude really ties in together. And you need both because i see people with a great attitude, but they don't have the activity. But I see people with That's the right. activity without the attitude. So you really need both together yeah. to be consistently be successful, Right,
1: or, or 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 they they do both. Right, you see people that that have the right activity, and and I I love that you call it IPA because I literally have been telling my you know my leaders and you know people that I mentor. It's like you know spend your time on the right things, like the administrative stuff. Most of it's not important, right? Um, and, and then the attitude. I think everything you said, but there are people though that do both but then they don't invest in their learning. Right. Oh, yeah. And so what happens is those are the people that kind of, they get here, but when they want to get here and you know, right. they want to make, you know, a, a multi six figure or maybe even get close to seven figure income, they can't do it because they just stopped, you know, they've reached a ceiling in their mind, but they haven't done anything to develop, you know, uh, you nice. know, educate themselves on better skills, you yes. know, all the things that you need to do to because right. at the end of the day, as we talked about, you're running your own business yeah. and, The most successful people look at—they're the CEO of their own—and really, if you're successful, you're running a multi-seven. You know, look at you—you ran a two hundred million dollar business. Right. That's 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 no not no big deal. That's a huge deal. It's a lot of work. You know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. My hair hair fell out. My
2: hair fell out. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Same. Same. So no, I think those are great points. I think, and by the way, I think you did a really good job summarizing that. before we get into um, the two things that hold people back, which maybe that's the same answer, as they don't have those two things. Um, we gotta we gotta talk about your your tagline, right? From from selling speedos <laughs> to seven figure contracts. Talk yeah. talk talk to me about yeah. that.
2: Yeah. So um so my what's, what's funny is, be, uh, before I started college, right? So my um my what I was going to do was I was gonna work at my parents' restaurant while going to school. That was my plan. Go to college. Uh, I was pay for everything on my own, right? Uh, I didn't want any loans. So uh, I, I was going to work for my parents the whole time. That's what I thought. My parents had an opportunity to sell the restaurant. I would just get out, get out of the business completely. And they did that before I started college. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, now, like, now they'll get a real job. Like, at this point, being 17 years old, I had never worked for anybody except for my parents, right? I didn't work, a fa- I didn't work for my parents my whole life. I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? I grew up as a competitive swimmer. So I'm like, you know what, like, and, and at the time, like, you know, like, I, 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 there's probably, people still classified back then, they were get back then, right? Like, That's how you find a job. I'm like, I'm like oh, this, this doesn't seem very really smart to me. I'm like, okay, let me reach out to my network. So, so I reached out to my network, and um, I, I got a hold of a swim coach called Competitive Swimmer, and he mm-hmm. happened to be uh, opening up a, a swimsuit store selling speedos and accessories and racing gear to the general public and to the competitive racing community. Cause we didn't have one in Eugene, Oregon. So um, I interviewed with them, ended up getting the job and it was a, a, a super fun job where, you know, like i would like, you know, work between classes and then on weekends, this, this is entertaining on weekends, we would have a swim meet, like a couple hours away. So I wake up at like three in the morning on a Saturday morning and I would go drive to the office, load up a 1991 Ford Ranger pickup truck with a canopy, a with swim gear, speedos, goggles, etc. and racks drive two hours to like, you know, whether it's Portland or some other, you know, small, small town and uh, get there by like 530 ish, six, set up a to hang up all the swim gear and all the stuff. And I'd be there till like 6 p.m. And I would sell literally one man show, sell Speedos and everything for like, you know, just just to the, the, the swim meet people. Right. And then load up the truck, head home, go to Quiznos because my per DM was uh, 30 bucks for food a day. I'd go. I literally didn't eat all day. I literally would just like like go back in one time and not eat all day. Go to go to uh, uh, Quiznos and like at this point it's probably like uh, it's probably like eight p.m. at night, right? Eight p.m. at night. Get like the, the biggest sandwich, like Quiznos. Get the the, the math, the, all the meat you can have. Crush that. Pass out. Do it again the next day, right? So tons oh. of fun, right? You know, like I mean, it, it was a great it was a great role. Like zero, it wasn't commission. It was all it was all hourly, you know, but. I loved mm-hmm. it, right, because I learned how to sell, like, how do I bundle, how do I, you know, how do I convince someone to upgrade stuff, and it was, it became more instinctual, because they didn't teach me this, I'm like, it'd be more like, you don't want to buy it, because, you know, buy, like a Speedo, and I'm like, I'm like, cool, so it's good for practice, what about a racing suit, they're like, what, I'm like, well, you need a different suit for racing, they're like, really, I'm like, yeah, okay, which one do you like, I recommend this one, cool, okay, do you also have racing goggles? Oh, you don't know, have racing goggles. Okay, I'm a regular recommend- <laughs> these goggles. So instinctually, I was really tripling, quadrupling their sales at these at these meats. Awesome, because yeah. it just made sense to me, right? So that's that's how I got that's how I got into that. That's my start to Speedos, and then eventually uh, get into working in corporate America. You get the opportunity to work larger deals and more opportunities, and actually sell on a larger enterprise level, right? Because you know it wasn't seven bigger than Speedos. You know that'd be cool. It wasn't that. It was selling seven bigger deals and you know, other services that can actually scale and deliver at a higher
0: level. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Have you shared, I know you've been on a few podcasts now.
2: Um, have you shared the the Speedo story with others? Who, uh, someone did ask me that, right? Um, you know, I was on this one, I don't think we should talk about it then, but they, they thought I sold seven, it was, it was it was an Indian podcast I posted about, they had thought I had uh, sold seven figures of Speedos. I'm like, No, I guess I can see how that title read that way. but no, that
0: wasn't that wasn't it.
2: But you know,
1: um. it's a lot of a lot of speedos. speedos. Um, well, you know, part of the reason I asked you that question, it it was a little bit loaded. Was you know that story? There's a lot of those stories. I have my own, and you know, I'm not going to share it here because this is about you. But you know, you know, you were an athlete, number one. You know, you learn from your parents. Um, you know, my my parents were not were not immigrants. My wife's parents were, and they did own it. They did own and run a Chinese restaurant. Weird. and they're some of the hardest work, some of the hardest working people I know. Oh yeah. yeah, we we got a lot of things in common, man. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's you know, when you're you're an athlete, right? You learn the suck, right? You know how to fight through it, you know. And then you know, I you know, my, I have a whole sales story about where I started. I've been selling for 19 years. You know, not all professional sales, right? um selling services and solutions but it teaches you something right when you talk about getting up at 3 a.m and you know that what? grit and determination and it's just like oh, yeah. doing whatever it takes it's not sexy and you know right. i think sometimes you know i was talking to uh, i mean i was in mexico as you know this past week and i was talking to a guy that used to work for me that uh, works for a very large SaaS uh, software company now and he said you know everybody tries to make sales so sexy and and you know there are. Uh, you can get very strategic, as you know, and, and there are advanced level tactics and things like that that you can use. But t- most people just want, like they want to make six figures. Like for them, when you're making 50 grand a year or you're, you know, like like the same as me when I started out, you're making 30 grand and it's uncapped commission. Right. If you can make $100,000 a year or a yeah. little bit more, it's life changing, especially oh, yeah. when you're like 26 years old, right? 100%. It, And so that, that part just do showing up every day and just doing the work. It's not sexy, but it's, you know, it's what it is. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, I was reading, I'm sure you saw it, you know, Kobe Bryant, there was an article on LinkedIn that I think you saw. It was called because of 4am. Did you you read that article? Yeah. You know, and it's just like, it's, it's because of 4am. It's because of 3am it's because of whatever time you get up, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll transition for, you know, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. And hopefully the listeners are understanding that it's just doing the work every day. Most people are not showing up and doing the, doing 1% more than your competition internally and externally can mean 50% growth in your business. So let's transition into you answer what the two things are that you think makes a successful rep. What do you think the two things are Are uh, reasons why people fail in sales?
2: Yeah. I, I think, and There's obviously a lot of them, right? If I narrow down to two, I think you know, number one is, it very much aligned to the 4 a.m. concept is um, they're not willing to put in the work, right? No, they're not willing to do the things that people don't like to do, right? So if it's like picking up a phone, um, do extra cold calls, right? Putting in the work, like it, it's one of those things where it's like um, – it's uh, And I put a post on Instagram yesterday, right? So some people think, oh, you love working out. Actually, I hate working out, but I freaking love yeah. the process and I love the results, right? And people that typically are not top performers, usually, like, they don't want to put the work in. They don't want to go through the struggle. They don't want to do the hard parts that, you know, that that really gets them, actually makes them better, right? Like, the, the struggle makes them better, Right. And that's, that's, that's a huge thing, right? Like to, to, if you don't want, like, if if you want to be, it's one, I always laugh. It rains a lot in Oregon. It rains a lot in Oregon. And usually when it rains, less people will go and knock on doors in the field. I would double down. I would double down when it rained because I knew most people weren't doing it. My competition wasn't doing it. Right. Right. I'm like, I'm going to stand out. And on top of that, they're going to feel bad for me. and want to talk to me. Right. I got more points on those rainy days than anybody else would. They'll like, this dude is out here just to try his best. You know, he looks like a wet yeah. dog, but you know what? Come on in, man. Come on in. And and people appreciate people putting in the work, right? People respect that, especially business owners. Right, CEOs at one point that were in sales are like, man, this person is so freaking consistent. They are showing up. They're putting the work in. They know, right? That's huge, right? So that's the first one right there, right? They're doing what most are unwilling to do, or they're not. They're, they're most. They're not doing what it's the hardest parts of the job, right? And the second piece is um, ego. Oh man, ego. Whoo! They think they just they just they don't need to put in the work. They think they're more skilled. They think they don't need to learn, right? Like, and I've had I've had them on like I've I've trained people with the ego, right? And they they always say stuff like, oh yeah, I already knew that. I'm like, well, your results tell me otherwise, actually. Right? <laughs> like like uh, right. you don't actually know it if you don't do it. Okay. Like
0: you, right. you don't
2: truly know anything unless you're actually doing it. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why it's like, it's really applies to really anything in life. But those who are not successful in sales, they always think, Oh, you know, I'm good. I don't need to do so. I still self educate, Right. I recently bought a sales book because I'm like, you know what? I want to make sure I'm not missing something. Right. Like I did more phone work and did some cold emailing. And like, I did more phone work though. And door knocking. Like I'm very comfortable in space. But I'm like, you know what? Uh, I got the the Daniel Disney book, right? The million, the million pound uh, message. I'm like, am I missing anything? I read through it, I'm like, I knew a good amount, but there's some nice nuggets. I'm like, I really like that concept there. Great. Because I don't have that ego to think I can't learn still, right? I can learn from anybody. Little things. I'll look at my competitions, like, posts. I'm like, that's brilliant. I think that's a great idea. And I'll call my hands off, that's freaking awesome. <laughs> like, because I like to learn, too, just like anybody else, you know? So yeah. that's huge. Well, ego.
1: well let's translate. What, what yeah, that, that's. I agree. Um, let, let's transit, transition then to your business because you know one of the things that I'll just you know share. One of the things I had to overcome, right? Everybody's heard. Not much into everybody, but many people have heard of imposter syndrome, right? It's just you don't feel like you're good enough, or oh. you feel like what you're going to deliver is is it's not worth it, and it's completely untrue. Right. Um, but you know when I was building my my digital sales course, one of the things I, I was going through my mind is. Well, people already know all this stuff, right? And 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 it's absolutely not true. Right. And, you know, I wondered one, did you feel that way about your when you're building your business? Because you obviously reached the top, you know, what you were doing, that's the top of the sales game, that's the top one percent. You're in the top one percent of income in the United States. Um, and then the second thing is is how much of the information that you're delivering and providing in your course. And cause I know, cause you do um, both corporate consulting as well as uh, yep. individual, correct? Yep. So, what, what percentage do you feel that people actually already have at their tool belt or in their tool
2: belt versus they don't have? Yeah, that's a great question. Right. And um, first off, the imposter syndrome for sure. Like, I mean, I think it's very normal. I'm like, ah, uh, it's kind of like this. When I first wrote a couple of eBooks, right. This is years ago. I'll think myself like, ah, no, why am I, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Right. Um, and the thing was to my benefit, right. Which happened because of the position I was in because I was able to influence so many people, right. On not like, like my direct org has so many people in my org where I was doing so much coaching. It became quite crystal clear to me, even though we had a great training program in my last company, it wasn't enough that, Mm-hmm. There's a massive gap still, right? And 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 really, I thought this to myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I I would do about 100 interviews a year, hire about 20, 30 people a year. I'm like, with that being said, the 20, 30 people still need more training, development, a lot of coaching. <laughs> the other mm-hmm. 70 that didn't get hired <laughs> definitely need it. And sure. what about the uh, I don't know let's call the other 300 people that we also interviewed the dean get get to get to interview with me. Like, right. my goodness. And that's all the a ma- massive gap in when I was a sales manager. When I was interviewing, I'm like, I saw it all the time. I, I would do six to eight new interviews a week, right? Trying to find, track, find great talent, And majority were not well-trained. So um, being able to have those references or uh, being able to like, oh, you know what? This is what I truly saw helped me minimize imposter syndrome, right? You still get, because naturally you compare, right? Because, you know, comparisons the thief of the joy, right? So you're like, you're seeing other people like, oh man, like this 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 person's doing this. Can I even do that? This person's doing that. Can I even do that? Right? But then you start realizing it's all facade, and you saw the I saw the I still struggle even now. I'm like, oh man, am I? Can I even do this? Should I go back to corporate America? Yeah. Like, maybe I'm better yeah. working in a structure, right? Normal, right? But at the end of the day, you start realizing the more people you impact, right, the more it, it reinforces. Every time you talk to someone, and you see a lot of times. It might be how you it might be something they already know, which it's probably 50-50. Half the time maybe they know mm-hmm. it, but they don't really know. It. Like they don't really know it, right? Um, half the time it's brand new, right? But a lot of times it's how you deliver it that can really be the way yep. makes them understand. So this is actually why um, a lot of my social media posts are always stories or analogies, because it helps transcend a message to that person, mm-hmm. right? So, my people reach out to me, like, oh, well, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Even though it's a rule of it's like, hey, don't work so hard, you know, like, you know, like, like, less is more, right? That's a message, right? But it's a long story to get to that point. And then they're like, oh, I felt that. I've been there, right? So, um, and that's a little bit of a Tony Robbins trick where I learned that trick of being able to tie references to paint a story to get yep. a message, right?
1: Well, so, um, you know, this wasn't. Uh It's something that I realized when I started my business, um, you know, because I heard you say, I listened to one of the podcasts you did, uh, it was like all things telesales. I listened to that one that you did. And, um, I heard you say that you've been doing or, or had gotten into digital marketing, uh, a while ago. Yes. Um, and you heard, we, I mentioned earlier, you know, the amount that you learn from digital marketing that applies to sales. And one of the things that I firmly believe that I'm, I honestly do not believe any organization teaches, their sales organization or their sales field that they need to learn marketing. And I completely disagree with it because marketing lives in like this own, their own planet. They're like on Pluto and then sales is on nice. Jupiter and it shouldn't be that way. Right. Marketing develops all the content. Sales is the messenger and they close the deals and that's just wrong because if you spend any time in marketing, what you learn, which is what you just described is the ability to tell a great story Right. helps people receive the message. It's the same reason when we visualize things, right. you know, if you're presenting something on a PowerPoint deck, right. Or mm-hmm. is this when you're delivering a webinar, right. your ability to tell a story and squash, you know, false beliefs and all of that. And then the hook, you know, the, the, it's called a hook in marketing, but in sales, it's more, the, it's the value or it's the reason why they need to pay attention because it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm there. I get the point. So, I think you do a really good job of that. I've read a lot of your LinkedIn posts, so you know for any of our listeners, I would recommend um, don't just check out you know we'll, we'll obviously let them know where we can they can find you, but don't just check out Marcus on Instagram and Facebook, but also LinkedIn because you do a fantastic job of producing really good content, um, and your ability to tell stories is really solid, man.
2: I appreciate that. I appreciate that yeah
1: so so you know as we kind of close out here, um, you know
2: what's your what's your vision for your business? Yeah, that's a great question, right? So, um, I have a, a pretty big goal. My, my goal is, um, you know, maybe it's not that big, but my goal is to um, positively impact a, a million sales professionals, right? Um, like directly, and I'm not talking about just like social media reach, I'm talking about like directly through some of my programs. right? Because I know, um, because I've done it long enough and because I know my, my training works and it's proven, that they will get results, right? And, uh, and and to me, like I, I get so like I'm so I'm so cheesy. Like I freaking love it when someone messages me, but like, oh, I freaking close the deal because of you. What you told me, I, I love that, right? Like that's like I'll pop. On, on my Instagram story. It's always like, yeah, that's right. I told you it works. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You yeah, play. man. You, you know, and, you and I love you. that, right? And um, and I want to scale that, right? And that, and that's, that's one of the things where it's um, it's so cheesy, but I, I believe uh, we are all born to do something great, right? And I know if I positive impact. A million sales professionals. That's a million families, right? And if they have three, four people in that family, if not more, now it's multiple millions, right? And it'll scale off from there. Because if, if you if you a million directly, the after effects, right? The all the all the waves that go from there, it ripples, right? Because the, mm-hmm. there's everyone else who did not did not invest in the program, but everybody else from the social media impact, etc. And that's really something really, really cool, right? Because that's that's my big ultimate goal. Cause then it ties into my purpose and my why of creating a legacy, having influence, show people that I love and care. And as a result, that's why I do what I do. That's awesome,
1: man. Um, well, there's, uh, there's now three of us. I know, cause I literally have the same goal of <laughs> impacting a million salespeople. Um, and I think it's a fantastic, you know, it's uh, to me, that's your vision, but um, that's your movement. Cause uh, you are, and I don't know about you, but you know, sales changed my life. Yes. Um, and, and I think, you know, what I hear you saying beyond just the individuals is that you can help a million people change their life, that's right. their family's life. And then, you know what, even if the people that they pass your message and training on to, because, right. you know, people are going to rip off your training, they will, happens. but yeah. you know what, it's, it, you're still helping people, right? right. And and that's part of your legacy and, and part of your name. And And so I love that, man. I think that's great. It's, it's more than, you know, yes, you can make more money when you're delivering things on your own and all of that, but it's got to be more than just money because at a certain okay. point, money doesn't make you any happier.
2: Yeah. And, and I think you're totally right. You know, especially when you're at, at your level, it's like, you know, it's like when you're making like, when you're making good money, you're kind of like, after a while, you're kind of like, this is awesome. Like you, you've now, like you're starting to get these tools, these toys and cool things that you always want. Now, and after a while, you're kind of like, now what? Right. And you need to have yeah. more than a purpose outside of just making money, right? You have something that's intangible that you can hook into as, as deeper from within you, because that's going to carry you through everything else. Because That's why you see so many billionaires, they're super in philanthropy, right? And, and they start their foundations. And, and I love that because it's a greater purpose to who they are. It's kind of like you, I heard you share about, you know, being to help, uh, you know, uh, you know, like people with special needs, right? Like other children. Freaking love that. I love that, right? Because that, that's a greater purpose, right? That means something to you. This is why you do what you do, for that reason. Yep, yeah, 100%, because I, I agree with you
1: at a certain point. it just, you know, I, I think that should be a goal for a lot of people right now for, you know, setting goals is important. And, you know, let's, um, something you do that, I got to be honest, I'm not great at consistently. And consistency, consistency is the name of the game in sales and business, really in life. It's right. just consistently taking action day after day, the right actions. So talk to the listeners. You know, this is not its not magic. It's not science. A lot of successful okay. people talk about this and do it. Talk to them about your morning habit with goals.
2: Yeah. So I have a morning routine that's really, really critical. First, let me back up. So um, uh, my my morning routine, everything I do is based off four energy buckets. So I don't believe about managing your time. I believe about managing your energy. If you manage your energy really well, then your time fits within it. Right, So uh, you have your, your mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical buckets get refilled every single day. And your routines should fill those up accordingly, depending on you. So for me, I know my physical and mental one is bigger than most. So I need some more time with that. So with that being said, so like today, for example, I woke up today, 5 o'clock, right? First thing I do, I go get change, a brush of teeth, a change, whatever, and I go work out. 30-minute power workout. I did um, Today I did 420 repetitions of my back workout, right? So crush that workout, and then I, I go shower, change, and then when I go, go to my home office, the first thing I do is I I literally write out my one, three, and five-year goals. I write them all out, right? They're really important. So I write them all out. After I get done, write those out, right? So it's only forcing me to stop. I used to just read. Just, I used to just read them, but now I write it out. I write them all out. And then after I get done with that, then I literally sit and I have a vivid vision in which um, one year from now, if someone was to like film me or write a novel describing what my day was like from wake up to uh, by the time I go to sleep, what that my perfect day look as assuming I achieved every single one of my one year goals, right? What that day look like? How would I feel, right? So I wrote it all. It's like it's like I wake up at five o'clock. I wake up fired up and energized, right? So it goes all the whole day. So uh, that's recorded. I literally sit and I close my eyes and I play this recording of myself. Awesome. My vision. Awesome. And I literally visualize myself like someone. Literally, I'm narrating to myself my future self, right? That's okay, man. That's great. It's crazy. So, so it's, it's interesting, right? So, so uh, so then after that, I I get done with that. Then I read for like ten minutes or so, and that just helps me, like something, something that's to help me just think. Always nonfiction, right? So right now I'm rereading um uh, "Man Search for Me" by Viktor Frankl, great book, right? And mm-hmm. then uh from there, then I'll go into you know actually like I'll do a little work. Now there's more to this, right? Mm-hmm. It gets it gets more. So I don't, I don't think I elaborate on the tell sales, but so after that, I, I get my kid to go to school. Then on my drive back, I do affirmations. I do affirmations on the drive back, right? And then I'm re- and then I'm ready to work. So uh, very important. But at the end of each day as well, how I capture my end of the day is I also read my goals again before I go to bed.
0: Twice yeah. a day.
1: So, so I think that the mess that one, you're a beast dude. That's great. And you know, I, I do it, I would say probably five days a week. I think I, I, I slack, I get a little upset with myself cause I slack a little bit on, on the weekends on my goals, just because like, you know, there's really no reason actually just I slack on the weekend. So it's something I get better at. I will tell you, listen, so this is the thing. People think that like all this stuff is nonsense. It's not number one. And I will tell you, remember we were talking earlier about, hey, like you can't, you know, people that think they can't learn something from somebody else and like, hey, our movement and all that. I listened to the telltale thing and I was like, you know what? I'm going to write down my vision this morning. Like Mark, so I, I write down my goals, but I don't write down like, if someone were to write a novel about me, yeah. what would it say? So I got to cover up this. I wrote down yeah. some things and I was yeah. after listening to you talk. So like, look, man, like people may be wondering like, we we have we've talked about this on on you know so through social media that like hey we have like competing businesses like why would i want to like because like there's no there's 7 billion or however many people out there there's way 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 more people than you and i could ever impact and it's super healthy like i learned a lot from you and like i agree with a lot of the things you say so um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever post something or share something that you'll learn from, but you know, you're, you're doing a great job, man. And, you know, there's things you write that impact me. And I, I know that, um, you know, my listeners will, will get, um, you know, a great impact from you and hopefully by, by your sales training. Um, and if not, they can you know follow you for free. Um, but I, I would strongly recommend that, uh, they at least follow you because you put out great content. You definitely know what you're talking about and, um, you know, I, I wish you a lot of success. I know we'll, we'll definitely do this again, uh, I hope. Um, we will, yeah. but, uh, can But you, can, you, uh, can you let everybody know where they can follow you and, and share the name of your business again, just uh, yeah. you know, your consulting company so they know what it's called?
2: Oh, yeah. So, uh, so it's Venli Consulting. It's V-E-N-L-I Consulting.com, consulting.com uh, I got a bunch of free resources, right? So uh, if you go to SalesNinjaSchool.com forward slash resources, Again, salesninjaschool.com for such resources. Tons of free resources right inside there, right? Um, actually, I only open enrollment certain times of the year for my program. So that's why you get all my free stuff, and then you'll get announced when you have that. So uh, it's been an absolute pleasure being on. And, of course, I got, I got to ask you, Eric, because I know – here's the thing. I got always one question I'd ask you because I know as a working professional with a family and you're traveling – you're hitting peak of every single year, and by the way, I do get inspired by you. So just so you know, like I loved all your uh, your videos you had in Mexico, right? Love that. Um, Thanks. How do you How do you find time to write the book that you're about to wrap up? Uh
1: thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the 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 answer is uh, you just. We all have the same twenty four hours in a day, you know. I mean. All the motivational stuff that you read, you know, whether you follow Gary Vee or Grant Cardone or Tony Robbins or you name your, you know, super super, uber successful person, um, we all have the same time in the day. For me, honestly, just becomes something has got to give. And unfortunately, right now, it's not healthy. Um, I'm in the worst shape of my life. And I've always been someone that's tried to keep myself in what I consider to be peak physical condition. I'm not in that form right now. Um, it's just come down to lack of sleep, honestly. So, um, you know, when I get home at similar to you, well, you're, you're at home a lot, but when I get home, um, you know, I, I get home at around 630. Um, I see my, take care of my kids and my wife. And then when 10, hits, You know, it's follow up with all the stuff that's been going on in my business that I run for the company I work for. And then it's go time on writing a book, which started out as an ebook. And then it just morphed into this whole new thing, which has been an amazing experience. Even if nobody reads it, um, I'm just going to honestly be proud of myself because it's honestly the damn hardest thing I've ever done because I'm not a great writer. But I think just like you said, it just comes down to just one foot in front of the other every single day. And you know what, um, you've heard this before, but you know, inconsistent action is better. Excuse me, imperfect action is better than no action at all. That's right. And that's really what gets me through. So, um, I'm excited to share. I'm going to, I'm going to send you a copy of the books called intelligence, the intelligence factor. Yeah. And, um, this this has been really fun, man. Did you drop your, if I missed it, did you drop your, your social channels
2: by the way? Uh, Uh, what do you mean? So for LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, did you drop all those? Oh yeah, so yeah. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's just the uh, the real Marcus Chan. Uh, on LinkedIn, it's just uh, Marcus Chan MBA. You'll see this is line, Lion L I O N on there, so easy easy to find. It says Speedos on my tagline, so it's pretty easy to find. And Facebook is just uh, it's, it's under Bentley Consulting, right? So I haven't thought about I might mention transitioning that to Marcus Chan as well. But as right now, it's still under business. But uh, yeah, but my my primary uh, right now is really LinkedIn my, my baby. Link's the baby. I've been transitioning quite a bit to that. So but I'll bring it back to Instagram though because I cleaned up my Instagram and uh, I got start adding more content again. So it's been a little while. Yeah,
1: well just for 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 uh, the listeners and and for your own um, you know people that already follow you, this is gonna be on my YouTube channel. Awesome. Um, which and so that'll be on my YouTube channel as well as my Instagram and Facebook, and so uh, they can have all of all the links for your social channels there so they can
2: follow you there as well. Sweet. Sounds great to me.
1: All right, man. Well, hey, this is really fun. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to doing this with you again, okay?
2: Sounds good. Thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. All right. All right. Thanks, Marcus. Have a good day. See ya.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of B2B Growth Accelerator with your host, Eric Fisher. For additional strategies, tips, and content, please follow Eric on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Eric Fisher Official.